Hey everybody, this is Adam, co-host of the podcast you're about to listen to. Just a heads up, that podcast is Heart Shaped Pod, because if you're hearing this message, that means you're a subscriber, and I should remind you that two weeks ago, we posted both parts of the Conspiracy the Show Sandy Hook episodes. If for some reason you really want to hear me and Connor do the exact same podcast again, but only half of it this time, you can go out to SoundCloud or iTunes and hear the second half of the podcast you already listened to two weeks ago, just without the first half attached to it this time. But for subscribers, you're getting the newest episode of Heart Shaped Pod a little bit earlier than the rest of the world. This episode features special guest Kyle Clark. How neat is that? And speaking of Heart Shaped Pod... Just a heads up, we mentioned at one point that we were going to make Heart Shape Pod a monthly podcast. I lied to you. We are going to keep Heart Shape Pod as a bi-weekly thing. There's going to be one free episode every month, one subscription-only episode every month. If you're hearing this message, that means you're getting both of those episodes. You lucky bastards. Anyway, enjoy the show. Conspiracy the Show will be back next week. Or it's still around this week, but you get it. All right, thanks. We love you. Welcome to Heart Shaped Pod, a Nirvana fan podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Travis Clark. Hey everybody, welcome to Heart Shaped Pod. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Travis fucking Clark. Travis fucking Clark. The fucking, for fuck's sake, that's the whole reason (laughs) it's there. And we have a guest with us today. A non-fucking Clark. Yes. To my knowledge. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> you have no idea. I have a concept. Um, <laughs> joining us is Kyle Clark, no relation, yeah. uh, but uh, one of the other Clarks in the uh, comedy world. Indeed. One of them. Yeah, I there's, think there's only... No, there's Justin, Justin Clark. Clark. There's, Two or uh, three, though, right? I feel like there's at least one more I'm not thinking yeah, of. Yeah. There's Clark Clark. Yeah. He's great. Clark Barr. Uh, has a great hour. You should check that out. Clark Barr feels like somebody who would be like a road comic in like <laughs> yeah. the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. That's a good name. It's a good stage name. It's also a great candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, better than Butterfinger. Wow. wow. I, I got to say, I might agree. Although I think I'm more of a Fifth Avenue man if we're Ooh, going Butterfinger you know what offshoots. I, you know what I like, though, is and that I don't think it's enough attention. 100 grand. I don't think 100 grand. Yeah. 100 not grand that it's not in the, the same category, but I just think an undervalued. Uh, ironically, an undervalued yeah. uh, I feel candy like it's yeah. kind of going the way of Crackle, where you will mostly see it in a fun size now. That's true. Or, or King size, where it's like two of them nuggeted together yeah. and then elongated, and it's like, I just want the regular. I call that the entree size. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. What are we talking about today? <laughs> the Nirvana candy bar. Remember when that came out? That yeah. was so cool. We're talking about Nirvana I moments. It with an okay soda. <laughs> <laughs> I think you chase it with a jolt if you're going to really do it right. We're talking about Nirvana moments that almost happened, but didn't. Always a good testament with your, like, we're going to do this podcast about one band. So here's some abstract things that almost happened. Yeah. That's basically every episode we've made, I think. Yeah. It's not like we're brimming with material. (laughs) There's like a definite stop. Yeah. This could rightfully have been five or six episodes. Right. Could have been your serial. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I would argue it called, is. It yeah. could. You guys yeah. should call it a limited podcasting event. I think we did originally. <laughs> well, we know it's yeah. got it's, it's got an yeah. end date. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. We're doing it in real time. Is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't. We didn't know exactly how many episodes it would be going in, and yeah. we're we're way up there now. Yeah, we're in, at least into the twenties, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're just putting off having to talk about. Whether Courtney Love had Kurt Cobain killed or I, not. I, you know, don't think so. Did you guys do an episode on all their like original name pitches? Yep, we did that. Good, okay. Uh, we did. A, there's a lot of episodes where something changed everything. Okay. Which is how the story is told. They It usually ends with Chris Novoselic getting drunk and then everything changed. Okay. And it's always a show and it's always like only 30 people were there, but like 600 people say they were there. And that's what changed everything. Do you have like a show that changed everything? Do you have an episode titled, Yeah, but fuck Chad Channing though? Uh, We've talked about Chad, uh, who (laughs) was. Chad got got really fucked over pretty bad. Yeah. Real bad. He's the plus minus photo guy, right? Was he? Was that Chad? 
Yes. Yeah. They did a fucking photo shoot with Chad where they all the other members held a plus sign in front of them and they made Chad hold a minus sign. Oh, hilarious irony. And then fired him the next day. <laughs> so this like that's a running theme. Yeah, it's a running theme of if Kurt asked you to do a photo shoot, you were fired. Like it was his way of being He's a like, mafia, John. No, it was more like he didn't know how to have conflict with people. So he would just be like, oh, no, you're still totally in the band. And then they'd take the photo and he'd be like, no, and now you're not in the band. And that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a common so, occurrence. So it's clear that Kyle listens to the show, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, Don't mind us. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, there's just so many fine shows in the Unpop Network that, you know, how can you get through all of them in a week? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably Luckily, all. You definitely yeah. should like and subscribe and five-star review all of them. But Every still. single one. Yeah. By well, the way, there's yeah. a couple that I'd maybe do four, <laughs> four and a half stars at best, but mostly five stars all around. Uh, I haven't checked our ratings for a bit, but if we get over 20, I'll read more from my uh, my teenage journal. Ooh. So, yeah. Trap Can nine? that be a Patreon goal? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, sure. Yeah. I tell you what, if you guys contribute a little extra money, uh, I will... I will photocopy and send you a page. <laughs> oh, you should yeah. bind and collect. Well, we still owe people a mystery box. Maybe we'll send one of the things in there. Will be a, a photocopied yeah. page from Travis Clark's yeah. journal. Montage of mush is what I call it. <laughs> I have this whole thing about your mind being made mush by religion. It's very good. It's very. Remember being nineteen? That's fun, it right? It was a bad it's, call. Yeah, it was a bad. I don't time. recommend it for anyone. No, get past it as quickly as you can. Yeah, yeah. You want to skip that year? Say you're eighteen or twenty twice. What? Like, like say that you're <laughs> 18 for two years or 20 for two years. Oh, oh, oh. Just oh. bypass being 19. I got you. I thought. 18 and life to got it. 18 <laughs> and life to go. Your crime is time when it's 18 and life to go. Guys, to go. coming up tonight, we got a Skid Row tribute. It's Nirvana almost called Skid Row. Yeah, right? That's a thing. That is a thing. That's the, a thing that almost happened. But it turned out uh, Sebastian Bach beat him to the punch. That son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, you guys should, once you guys like get through to the end, start about that 60s Nirvana band. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's not what we're doing? <laughs> oh, my you God. start there? Oh, and then you're yeah. like, now, guys, halfway through this, it's going to change almost completely. <laughs> it's going to be real, real different. <laughs> it's going to be a twist at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the, the first thing. Nirvana thing that almost happened, which this one's, I didn't know, I just kind of read the whole story behind this, and I didn't know how how much intent was behind this recording session, but in the summer of 1989, <laughs> this is kind of amazing, there was almost a joint album between members of Nirvana and Screaming Trees. Yeah. That's and amazing. Yeah, and I, I cannot stress enough how much if you're not familiar with mark lanigan you should be familiar with mark Lanigan. almost definitely oh for sure um he has somewhere in the neighborhood of a dozen solo records plus he was the front man of screaming trees big collaborator the, the queens of the stone twins. age gutter twins uh what's the other one that's the uh all oh, the one that twilight I was, singers that's it yeah uh there's a lot of shit he does stuff with uncle he did a whole isabel campbell Duets. Oh, oh, that, that was about, really good. Yeah, he did yeah, three of those. Really oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about those existing until right now. Yeah, man, they're good stuff. Yeah. Um, but previous to that, uh, he was just a long-haired guy who hung out with a couple of fat twins. I was going to say, Mark Pickerel's the real fat one, right? Uh, no, he was the he was the drummer. He was the oh, drummer okay. of the band. Yeah, the van the Connor twins. I think yeah, the Van Connors. Like I think it's the Van yeah, Connors. Yeah, the real fatties. Yeah, and essentially Mark worked for their parents. Yeah, and they were just like, we won't make records. I assume that's how they talk. And, oh, uh, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, and they hired the their parents' help to be their front man. When uh, uh, right before we went on mic, I was talking about the documentary Hype, which I'm real into. Right. And the Screaming Trees are a real heavy series of interviews in it where they're just being fat and smoking cigarettes in front of a shed. <laughs> yep. And at one point, literally, the, the one of them goes like, we're literally a ton of band. <laughs> Between the Van Connor twins and Tad, I yeah. mean, Seattle had had some heavyweights. Tad are in it. Yeah. It's great because they're sitting on what is clearly a discarded couch outside of not their house. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of obesity in the grunge scene. Yeah, it's kind of all inspiring. The hair, all the heroin and poverty. Right, but it was like it was either super obese or rail fucking Lane Staley. You know, yeah. like those were right. the two. There was nobody who was just at weight. You know, yeah. everybody was on the polar opposite ends of health. <laughs> so they go into the studio in summer of 1989, and they were planning to record an actual album. They were going to be a band called The Jury. Yeah, which 
sounds like something where you would have rolled up jacket sleeves to be yeah, <laughs> right. Like rivals against the news. <laughs> But also, too, it sounds like they're like, dude, okay, we'll have another band open for us called The Judge, and we'll have a closer called The Executioner, and it'll be The Judge, The Jury, and The Executioner, <laughs> it'll be a full night of grunge. Which is followed by them going, we should get more speed, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they, Sub Pop was into it. They were, they were wanting to hear an album from this group of musicians. So they show up in the studio, and for one... They have no songs written. No, or, or remember this, the footnote was, or the, <laughs> the competing story is they'd forgotten for, the ones they wrote. Gotten the songs they'd written. Good for them. Like, I, I've never heard that. Like, I know, like, Jay-Z doesn't write his rhymes down, but I don't picture 1989 Nirvana and Screaming Trees being that. <laughs> I could imagine uh, 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 a young Mark Lanigan like sitting down mumbling some profound shit, and then they're going like, How, "What was that? Oh, I don't know. I don't just, know. The noise that come out when I breathe. I'm just, I'm just doing this with a couple of kids oh, I work for. Yeah, like that's great. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's my apnea. <laughs> that's what the lullaby on the Queens of the Stone Age record is. Is just his breathing sounds. Oh my god. So they, this part is also funny. They did. They got to the studio and they were still going to record an album, but Mark Lanigan and Kurt Cobain respected each other too much to for either of them to step up and be like, "Okay, this is the band. This is the direction we're going." Or when one of them would do something, the other one just had no desire to criticize or give feedback. They're just like that's so just, unlike Kurt. Just Kurt, yeah. Yeah. passive aggressive pieces of shit and flannel, just like trying to out not do each other. Yeah, pretty much. And so they end up just doing a bunch of fucking lead belly covers, which is awesome. Yeah, which is how we get um what we, we got uh, on Lanigan's first solo record, The Winding Sheet. It's yeah. called In the Pines. Oh, oh well, you're playing. Yeah, this is this uh, is uh, Ain't It a Shame. Ain't It a Shame, which was actually. I think was one of the best moments from the box set. Yeah, because I had never heard this. Fully agreed. And the quality is so good. Do you remember how fucking exciting it was when that box set came out? I called into work that day. Oh my God, that was such a beautiful like couple of days really just like digging through that. Yeah, I called into work. I went and bought it that morning and just fucking... And I was kind of let down by it because I'd heard a bunch of the stuff and... But that was my fault for, like, seeking out bootlegs and shit in the Napster era. But, like, stuff like this I had never heard before. And Kurt's vocals on this are so fucking great. Oh, yeah. And it's just such a weird song. And, allegedly, uh, Lanigan's playing guitar on this, right? Is this the one? Yeah, this is yeah. from the, from the sessions. sessions. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. And... <laughs> And yeah, the uh, Mark Lanigan later talked about this collaboration, and it was basically his inspiration to do solo records because they eventually go back to Sub Pop and they're like, hey, didn't work. Sorry. And they're like, well, we still want an album from Mark Lanigan because by that point, Nirvana, like Bleach, was out, if not. I want to say the winding sheet came out in 89. So I think they were. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So at the end of the winding sheet, Lanigan does, he calls it In the Pines, and it's what we know is, you know, Where Did You Sleep Last Night, which is also a Lead Belly song. And if I remember correctly, Cobain plays guitar on that. So it's like a Oh, rad. Yeah. So he plays guitar on that, and yeah. he plays guitar on this song from the winding sheet, which is called Down in the Dark, which the first time I heard this, it was actually- I've never heard this. It, it's a cool song. The first time I heard this, it was on a Nirvana bootleg, and it was listed as just a Nirvana song. Really? But it's actually... Holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, this is a cool song. And Kurt Cobain, I think I know he plays guitar on it, and I think he does, like, you'll hear background vocals on the chorus that I think are him also. Oh, I love Mark Lanigan so much. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I just, like, Bubblegum is one of my favorite records. Bubblegum's unreal. Like, Methamphetamine Blues is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yes. That and Sideways in Reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of the underrated 
figures from that Fully scene. Agreed. And he works with so many interesting people. Like that song Sideways in Reverse I was just telling you about. Izzy Stradlin from the original Guns N' Roses plays on it. Like he just, he's an amazing collaborator and uh, solo dude. And Gargoyle, his newest record is great. Go pick it up. Was Blues Funeral the last one he did? No, Gargoyles. Gar- Gar- but I mean, like before that. Uh, I think that's the last no, one I heard. He, that was he puts that out one every so year. Good. He puts out a record every year because that's how he has to make money. He's got to put out something and then go tour with it and keep putting new product out. He has a he has a fucking Christmas record called Dark Mark Does Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> you, I, I don't know if you, you can only buy that like live, but you can find it online. You can find it like on YouTube and stuff. Uh, Nice. It seems like Good King Winslet's, you know, it's God great. <laughs> oh, I've never wanted something more. So that's Down in the Dark, which is also on the winding sheet. And yeah, the last song on that, In the Pines, is also, I think it's from that same session. I don't think Down in the Dark is. No, I don't think so. I think that's their own thing. But yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that Lead Belly had this enormous influence on grunge. Like, it's a it weird. Really is, it makes yeah. a bunch of sense if you go and, like, listen to Lead Belly stuff because it's, sure. like, slow and heavy. But it's also, too, this, like, weird, like, grunge is just heavy folk, essentially, if you, I guess, think about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I suppose. All right. I felt really poignant when you guys just looked at me. So <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> All right. Heavy Folk was almost the name of this podcast. It was, yes. Uh, <laughs> it was also a rejected uh, Nirvana name. Uh, uh, and uh, and it's just what the Screaming Trees are. Yes. <laughs> heavy Folk. <laughs> they are Heavy Folk. So let's talk about some alternate album titles. These, oh. are, these are all things that were... These were Every album Nirvana put out almost had a different... The worst title. Yeah. title. It almost yeah. had the absolute worst title. Uh, except for one. Except for that. Well, we'll get to it, but I think that would have been a funny title. I think the last two are both pretty great. Would be pretty sad. <laughs> that, <laughs> that last one, there's nothing I want more than for that to have <laughs> yeah. been what came out. Right. Ugh, the beauty that would have been. But Bleach was almost called Too Many Humans. Yeah, which, which is don't so, do that. Nah. That to me always has felt like the narrative of Nirvana is just like a terrible idea that was changed at the last minute so that it could become an incredibly successful thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the one time that didn't happen is the title Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it's because it's like a <laughs> shitty idea that just barely worked enough. No, yeah. that was yeah. Kathleen Hanna's spray yeah, painting. Spray painting. That, yeah. But it's a terrible title, but it's also a brilliant title. Right. Yeah. They just didn't know it was a deodorant brand. And she did. Right. But no one in the band did. <laughs> Which, I mean, I refuse I, to believe that Nirvana were unaware of deodorant brands. <laughs> they always look like such fragrant gents. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, Too Many Humans <laughs> was almost Bleach. He changed the name to Bleach after he saw a, an ad a billboard for, in San Francisco. For needles, right? For bleaching your needles. Yeah. Which, I guess that makes sense, but. But just also, too, just sounds very like Kurt being like, well, I mean, heroin's great, so why not call it bleach? <laughs> yeah. Because you know? that's what I need now. <laughs> too many humans, though, is also just their attitude towards everywhere they went, you know? Yeah. They, they apparently would play a show and paint their necks red, get it? Uh, mm. If they didn't like the intelligence of the audience. <sighs> well, you know, sometimes... People you admire do shitty things. (laughs) (laughs) Irony. Um, That could have also been the title of this podcast. (laughs) It's also fun when you look at things like that. You're like, oh, you guys were new to irony then. (laughs) 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 Oh, you're just getting it figured out. What about sheep? Would that have been a good title for Nevermind? I actually kind of love that. Yeah, I don't mind sheep. Sheep sounds like it should be a Pearl Jam album. It was. Yeah. It was just on the cover of Versus. Yeah. <laughs> was that a fucking shitty move by Pearl Jam? Were they fucking sh- throwing yeah, shade? Yeah, 100% at- they were. You think no so? Much. That's literally all they did for three albums. <laughs> this is not for you is not like a thing where there's a subtext to it. <laughs> yeah, Sheep was almost the name of Nevermind. And that there's not a lot of explanation behind why he changed it. He just, uh, or how he came up with Nevermind. Isn't it because of... What came first, the lyric to Oh Whatever Nevermind or the name of the record? I think the lyric came first. Yeah, I do too. Because yeah. Teen Spirit had different lyrics for a long yeah. time. It's it, yeah. weird when you hear that version because you're right. like, oh, this is not as good. No. Or the goth version where he says, load up on drugs, kill your friends. That's fine. I kind of like that better. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah I that's a better the opening The shitty goth line. teen in me is just like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Kill all my As friends. somebody who had a song title at one point called Kill Your Friends, I'm like, yeah, do it. <laughs> really? Yeah, long long ago. Like when I was Kyle's like 18 or something like that. 
rethinking this booking. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get murdered. Be a bad idea. Oh, I hate to think that this Nirvana podcast gets dark or cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Cash Cow. That was the original incesticide title, incesticide right? Incesticide was either going to be called Cash Cow or Piggy you Bank. You can't win them all. Wasn't it yeah. called Money Grab at one point, too? Wasn't that on there? Or is that just implied by Cash Cow? I think it's just implied by Cash yeah. Cow or Piggy Bank, yeah. I remember I remember them saying we wanted to call it that because it was all Geffen putting that out right before Christmas in 92, I think, right? Yes. It was literally just a, well, these guys are popular now. Here's some other shit they have. Yeah, and it's... I actually like it. I think it works really well as a Nirvana album because it doesn't sound like any of their other albums. I mean, there's some stuff on it that's reminiscent of Who produced Bleach. those tracks? It's all like Bleach outtakes and yeah, seven inches that they did for Sub Pop, and it's all some BBC sessions yeah. on there. Uh, it's all different. Okay, so it's kind of because because you're it's right. A like, that's always the thing that fascinates me about that record is like the 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 tracks are fine. Like there's some real good. There's yeah. some real, but like the 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 production value variations because Nirvana is such a band that because the output's so small, I feel like it's interesting how sonically specific each of their records sounds. Right. Yeah, and so I think that's the coolest thing about those two weird little B side records is that you get oh this is what they sound like not polished yeah. by three of the most like definitive engineers of a generation. Right. But also, too, we've talked about this past, uh, you can tell who Kurt's trying to impress. Like, there's a lot of like, I really want Dale Crover and Buzzo to like us. <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. a lot of that in some of the early, early Nirvana stuff. Yeah, for sure. I hate myself and want to die. Uh, yeah. I'm just... Uh, I, I mean, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, love it but, so well, I thought we're talking about titles, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, I wanted to say that, but also, oh right, it feels by good sheer to say out loud. <laughs> also, almost the name of Nirvana's last album, In Utero, uh, and yet was also that B side for the Beavis and Butthead movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a B side on that. It, well, it was on that album, but it was released as the B side to Penny Royalty, yeah. and that single came out like three days after Kurt died. So they immediately recalled them. And now if you can find an original CD single of Penny Royalty. Send one to us. Send them to us. Even the counterfeit versions are worth a lot of money. Right. Now. Yeah. Do you guys remember like 10 years ago when no, Urban barely. Outfitters. Yeah. I really remember 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. ago. Like Urban Outfitters was selling t-shirts that just said, I hate myself and I want to die. And it, for a long time I thought it was like, oh, what a cool, smart, like Nirvana t-shirt. And then I found no, it's just a dumb thing assholes made. Yeah. It's just them oh. ripping Nirvana off, yeah. probably. There is a, a company that makes this thing. I, I almost bought us a couple of them, Adam. Uh, it's the smiley face that, you know, that kind of what our logo looks like, the Nirvana uh -huh. smiley face, but it has a bullet hole in it, and it says Courtney in the Nirvana <laughs> font oh, above it. I almost bought a couple of That's those. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, Is that on a shirt? It was on a shirt, yeah. Uh, we yeah. need those shirts. I think I don't know if they make the shirt anymore. They make the hat and they make the pen, but it's just the face with the bullet hole. It doesn't say. I'm, I think Miss Love's uh, attorneys might have approached them about uh, putting that out. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty active, <laughs> yeah. that legal representative. <laughs> That's for sure. Also, In Utero was almost called Verse, Chorus, Verse at one point. Which, Interesting. Which is also a song. It It is. I think it's it, It's a song that was called Verse, Chorus, Verse at one point. I think Sappy ended up being... Oh, is that what that's Yeah. Verse, Chorus, Verse. Yeah. There's a few Nirvana B-sides where the titles seem to like interchange and... It, it's weird. That's one of yeah. my like weird, real specific like band things that I like get real into is like what were other names of the song before it's called what we know. Oh yeah. Oh, well, that's a podcast. Yeah. Nir what did this used to be called? Nirvana's got a lot of those. Yeah. Breed was Breed was called Emodium. Yeah, yep. and it was about Tad throwing up. Yep. <laughs> Just the title, though. Yeah. Not the Yet song. another thing. <laughs> then they decided that's a bad idea, and everything changed. <laughs> it changed. Everything. <laughs> Everything changes after this. <laughs> Everything. Uh... What about Nirvana breaking up in 1993? Now, look, is I, this the suicide attempt one at the festival? Uh, <laughs> no. no. I think that was 94. That yeah. was, okay, that's a little later, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, like <laughs> I think it's like a year later. From like 93 <laughs> to 94, until he's dead, that band broke up and he tried to kill himself like seven yeah. times or something like that. I mean, it's he's just... He's like the roadrunner. <laughs> Or the coyote. Wiley coyote. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what the roadrunner was like off yeah. camera. I say fame. <laughs> He's a nightmare. Fame was roadrunner. <laughs> and fucking <laughs> and Curtis Wiley Coyote just chasing after it <laughs> and falling off of cliffs. So, yeah, in 
between 92 and 93, things were really tense for Nirvana. There was a moment where uh, Kurt Cobain wrote a letter to David Geffen saying he was breaking the band up. Uh, Man, he really fucking put Geffen through the ringer. Like, begs him for for Lead Belly's guitar, keeps breaking up the band. Yeah, he, he sent this long, sprawling letter. One of the few letters he wrote and actually sent. Uh, or actually, did he? Who knows? Yeah. Because that's the thing. He would write all of these letters and never send them. Yeah. And they were just in his journals for all of us to see. <laughs> and Side- judge. Yeah. Sidebar, this just reminded me, in the days of Kazaa and Napster and stuff like that, did you guys ever download that angry, like, answering machine message Kurt Cobain left for some music journalist where he gives his phone number and shit? Yeah. No. Oh, that was the best. It's him calling the woman who wrote the Vanity Fair article. Yeah, that's that got their, Oh, their, and he is they pissed. lost their kid over that article. The Francis Farmer will have yeah. her revenge Francis. seed? Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they lost their kid over that article because they kind of imply that Courtney Love was doing heroin while she was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it's funny because he's so mad, but also his argument is like, come on. <laughs> Be cool, Vanity Fair. Why would you put news in your magazine? Yeah. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> so, yeah. He, so what did he say to Gavin? He was upset about, I think it was about the Vanity Fair article. Hi, uh, my name is Kurt supposedly Cobain. Supposedly <laughs> I've made your company a lot of money. <laughs> oh, God, man. Yeah, we would read the whole thing, but it's very fucking long. It starts with, hi, my name is Kurt Cobain. I'm the lead singer, guitar, and songwriter. Lead singer? He's not the lead guitar. <laughs> it was never my goal to be part of the mainstream corporate rock world. Bullshit! Yeah, we know all he wanted. Fact, all you did was beg people to put your music out. All right, sorry, Kurt. I'm sorry. You never got to be over thirty. I can't judge you. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't do that to you. It's so hard not to, though. I know. Because as we've been going through, like I hadn't read, I hadn't looked into any of these stories since the early 2000s. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's a tough go. Yeah. Because like Heavier Than Heaven came out in like 2002, and that was like the book for a while. Yeah, right. And, like I had read and then, that. Uh, Everybody Loves Our Town came out. And, yeah, and the, we're gonna read that someday. <laughs> someday, an oral history of someday. that's an inside. I, bet, I bet it's super yeah. good. Like that's been on my list forever. Have you ever booked a guest and uh, not read their book? Uh, <laughs> because uh, I've only booked a handful of authors, I'm gonna plead that thing. <laughs> okay, that's good. I have all yeah. of my guest books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were handed we have, the book. We have it too because yeah. he brought yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we were handed the and book. And we were like, "Oh, thank you for this new book you just wrote." And he was like, "This, this was for everybody loves." Our town. He was like, yeah. "It's been Can I just for have your copy? Seems no, no, I'm gonna read it at <laughs> no, some but point. I'll finish yes. it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a full book report. We'll get Mark Yarm to send you a copy. Yeah, yes. yeah. Have you ever read any of Jim Deeragatis's like stuff from the time? Uh, yeah, I bet he you did he a had, yeah. It's because I yeah. really like him as like a rock critic. Like, like he, yeah, he's such a like like fuddy duddy but like when he gets real deep on some of those bands it's really fun yeah his stuff he wrote a bunch of articles for rolling stone yeah about them and that was when i was really way into collecting nirvana stuff which eventually i had to just give that up uh you watched I had, montage of heck and just threw it all away <laughs> pretty like, much oh i hate this person now. <laughs> i had all of the old rolling stone issues oh, that's rad and yeah. yeah the articles in those are pretty fucking amazing um, Didn't they hate Nevermind, though, when it came out? Uh, what was the record they hated? They hated one of their records. Rolling Stone? Yeah. They didn't give Nevermind a great review. They, they gave it like three and a half stars right. or something. And then everyone was like, but we bought all of them. And they were like, in hindsight. Yeah. I would like well, they to were say, that yeah. way with Pinkerton, too. Yeah. They, right. called, they called Pinkerton the worst album but of the, 1996. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, and now it's on their list of the best 500 albums of all time. Well, it's almost like they're a garbage magazine that should fold immediately. Yeah, mm. it's like we've been giving them too much credit for too long. It's almost like all of their writers are trash and their opinions shouldn't count. Never trust people who like the Eagles that much. <laughs> my mom likes the Eagles. <laughs> but also, I, I don't trust, trust my yeah. mom that much. Yeah, it's so. turned into like a sequel to... Uh, a movie I can't remember. The is, name are you of. gonna go to the Big Lebowski? There it is. There, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I always get a little mad because like it was okay to hate the Eagles before that movie. It's always been a good. There's never a bad time to hate the Eagles. He made Stevie Nicks get an abortion. <laughs> All right, so that's one thing in his. <laughs> sure, everybody's right once. Wait, who made Stevie Nicks get an abortion? <laughs> Don Henley. Oh, that's what the song Sarah is about. He he got what? he got Stevie Nicks pregnant, 
And she was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and add in and post the sign of jangly jewelry there. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of like scarves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, That's Ooh. how the abortion went. They just kept pulling scarves out of her. <laughs> oh, there's a baby in here somewhere. <laughs> he was not into that baby at all. No. And basically talked her into having an abortion. And she wrote an average Fleetwood Mac song about it. Oh. So. <laughs> Maybe the right call. <laughs> Tusk, right? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Break the chain, is that what we're talking about? So, yeah, in 93, well, that's late 92 that Kurt sends that letter. In somewhere <laughs> around 1993, Dave Grohl almost leaves because he heard that Kurt Cobain was shit-talking his drumming. Whoa, really? Which is insane. That's completely insane. Yeah. Right. The he thing wanted, that literally made them famous. Yeah, he wanted him to play more like Dale Crover. Again. Which, uh, classic <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crover drums. <laughs> well, I, I, I can... I, he do, he's got a Crover-esque kind of heavy hitting to him. Yeah. Grohl does. But like, Grohl makes everything sound like big, dumb rock and roll that makes a million dollars. That's what he does for right. a living since he was 15. Which will come up later in another story. Kind of the Oh, the yes, 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 yeah. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, but yes, I'll just say yes. Uh, yes, and <laughs> Ooh, I want to know what your point is going to be. I made. didn't. I, I so did I. <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with it. So I was oh, just. That's gonna, a good yeah. strategy. Sound like you have a compelling argument, and then bail like you're a gentleman that you actually have nothing to say. But don't get called on it. That's what you've got to really stick to. <laughs> so yeah, in the middle of all this, they do a tour in uh, South America, and it goes horribly. They they do a really <laughs> it's pretty bad yeah they do a really famous show in Buenos Aires at one point where a Portland band called Calamity Jane opens and they're an all female band and the bros in the audience in Buenos Aires are like boo it's nice to know that bros became international like the, oh, the, yeah, we didn't have the sure. market cornered on them you know oh no yeah definitely not and Kurt threatens to cancel that show entirely. But instead, the band just comes out and kind of sabotages things and plays a really shitty show. That's kind of like, a, I feel like, a motif of that time period is, like, yeah. audiences are terrible and very popular bands make things worse by right? like, yeah. deciding now's the time to make that stand. Which yeah, is there's funny. a lot of Guns N' Roses yeah. doing that. That's yeah. what I was going to say. As much as these guys fucking, hi, Axel, hi, Axel, taunted the big corporate rock and roll band, they did the same shit. Oh, you shit. know Kurt Cobain and Axel Rose secretly kind of admired them. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, they yeah. just looked across the asshole aisles at each other and was like, nice work, brother. Yeah, yeah. Really being a piece of shit about things. <laughs> I get it. I wear the flannel on the top. You wear it as a skirt. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. There's no way they didn't slowly <laughs> nod at each other at least once. You wear biker shorts with your flannel. Oh, that's a bold that's choice. Wow. I just wish I felt that good about yeah. my calves. I wish I had the legs for that. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to wear three or four pairs of biker shorts. <laughs> Oh, Kurt. I'm just going to invert this cardigan and wear it as biker shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so in the middle of all this, they have that show that goes really bad. And then a few days later, they play a show in Sao Paulo, Brazil, January 16th, 1993. And I didn't know this. Uh, you're going to play the thing? Yeah. This is the there's like a famous thing. It's I think it was on like Live Tonight sold out where it's like a real heavy guy going. Nirvana! Like, oh yeah. That's the guy who like introduces this show. Yeah. And this show it's fine for about 25 to 30 minutes. Here they are. They're trying to play uh they're trying to play Run to the Hills by Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> they're going full replacements on this bitch. And this becomes basically the show for that changed Everything. <laughs> Everything changes after this. It kind of does a little bit. Yeah, uh, it does. Not in the way that we've normally said that. And these are the, keep in mind, this is the kind of thing we're used to seeing from Nirvana at the end of a show. And this is 31 minutes into an hour long show. It's weird because I've gotten like old enough now that I'm older than Kurt Cobain. Right. And I like look at him and instead of thinking like, look at that cool older rebel and he's like, look at this 20 something piece of shit. Yeah. Like he kind of looks like yeah. the guy from Waves at this point in my life. <laughs> like, Well, it was funny. Uh, I was watching some of the uh, Unplugged stuff the other night and I was like, I remember watching this at the time when it was airing and being like, 
oh man, that guy's so cool. He's like older than me, but he's still really cool. And now I'm like, look at this fucking child. <laughs> look at this little boy. Yeah, he was 23 yeah. when they signed yeah. their That's deal nuts. with Gavin. That's the other funny thing, too, when you go and you like play Nirvana songs, you're like, oh, dude, I can really play this now. Yeah, I can play what a 23-year-old did? <laughs> I would fucking hope so. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's because you end up like seeing him, you know, like with his kid and stuff so often, so he feels like he's yeah. older than he is. You're like, yeah. oh, no, you were just like kind of a hick yeah. who like came in a lady. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and all, it's kind of like with athletes, too. Like yeah. athletes your entire life are all generally the same age, and you eventually reach a tipping point where like when you're growing up, you admire them because they're all older than you. And now you're my age, and you hear announcers talking about 33-year-olds like they're the oldest pieces of shit (laughs) walking the earth. Look at this. Can you believe he's still running? (laughs) Look at this garbage pile piece of shit showing up on the field. I didn't realize he could escape from his coffin for (laughs) one more day. Well, even fucking Cobain. Teenage angst has paid off well. Now I'm bored and old. You're 26. (laughs) You're 26. (laughs) Like, imagine if he said that to you in conversation. Yeah. You'd be like, shut up. Shut I would stab my wife to be 26 again. <laughs> you know, keep trying. <laughs> One day it'll work. Literal poor out. I mean, look. In the laws of averages. <laughs> so that show, it goes on like that for 30 Kurt minutes. Plays drums later? Yes. That's awesome. And sings Rio. Fuck yeah. Sings Rio. Oh and, they, and they sing Seasons in the Sun. Yeah. They just at this I'd point. I'd have been thrilled at this show. And Dave Grohl is shirtless in baggy jean shorts playing bass. Fuck yeah! Oh, his natural form, you mean? Yeah. Like he's a fucking character you'd fight this in isn't Final even Fight. My final form, he said, playing the bass with no shirt on. And this is around the fifty-one minute mark. I love this. Is Chris Novoselic says this from the stage? What a dick! Yeah. Oh, and then he's gonna become a mayor or something. <laughs> and a pilot. <laughs> I think this is the point where they try to play like uh, eight six seven five three. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is literally just the Nirvana version of the shit hits the fan. Yes. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's, like, that's such a crazy bootleg. That's one of yeah. my favorite things yeah. of all time. Because especially when they just start going, "Nah, I'll play War Pigs." Like they're arguing about, they're all playing different Black Sabbath covers. I like shit hits fans because you hear the audience mad and then eventually just like give up and be upset quietly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard that bootleg? Yeah, I have. You own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so fucking great. So yeah, that's pretty much what this show this turns is into. Amazing. Right. And, but the thing is, the by this point, the band was pretty much but, almost broken. But up. wouldn't you argue this is the this is the band that was playing the little tiny shows, painting their necks red? The same thing. Yeah. If they got mad at the audience, they'd just yeah. be like, "We're going to subject you to not what you came here for." Yeah. Is yeah. it weird that this has made me want to start a band more than anything else I've heard the last few days? <laughs> yeah. I just want to piss off people who paid to see me because they like my band. <laughs> it's also, How dare yeah. If you watch any of the unplugged stuff, they like you can find a lot of stuff where they're talking to people in line, and they're like, "What are you hoping to see tonight?" They're like, "Smells like Teen Spirit, man." It's just you know they're just gonna be jamming, but on acoustic, like fucking just come as you are, bro. Like it's and I still to this day can't imagine what smells like Teen Spirit would sound like acoustic. I can't. Bad. Awful. Yes, yeah, I sound, would agree. Not good. like especially the fucking verses. It's just going like, to be Kurt going... Although they had the cello player there, so I'm sure you kind of would get some kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. The, uh, that, that to me is always an under, underrepresented thing about Nirvana is for that last run where they just had a cello player to yeah. work with them. Like, that's cool as shit. Yeah, they, they had a really great lineup between that, that if and you, Pat Smear. Like, you're just like, what a cool... Every band should have Pat Smear and a cello player. Those shows from that last tour right before he died are all fucking fantastic. How, often, How old is Pat Smear? He was a baby in the germs, though. But he's got to be sixty, right? Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he I doesn't a, look sixty. No, it turns out I was a live well. literal yeah. baby when the germs were out. So <laughs> he's up there in years. And well, you know sure. who the germs, like one of their drummers, was? Which one we're we talking? Dottie Danger, aka Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, she, I yeah. did not know. She was that. like the first or second. Yeah. I want to say the first one, and then they got the the Krautrock guy. Yeah, and then she became uh, the Go Go's, and then she became no. I want to do. Uh, 
pop hits, and then now she's the, a lady who shows up on Bravo shows. The, the Go-Go's oh, is that one what she of those does? bands have a real solid history when you go back and look and realize they were super hardcore, <laughs> and they <laughs> fucked around a lot. Yeah. That, that Scott Bayo story is still the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh, I don't know it's that not, one. It's not as cool now. But uh, <laughs> but there's the story he talked about. I was listening to something, and they were saying that Scott Bay was like, do you have regrets? And he's like, I got one regret in my life. I was you know, sitting around, and I was all depressed, and I'm in my 20s, and I get this call from, from you know, somebody knocks at my door. And I answer the door, and it's the Go-Go's. And they're like, hey, you're from that TV show. We think you're cute, and we heard it's your birthday, so we're here to fuck you. And he was like, no, thank you. What? what? And he closed the door on them. And then he molested Nicole Eggers yeah, in his garage. exactly. So you're so, just like, oh, you know, Scott Bale's yeah. a bad man across the board. <laughs> just bad. Here was someone with consensual sex, and you said, no, I would prefer <laughs> no, a minor in my garage, please. <laughs> oh, maybe that changes the story now. <laughs> that like, changed everything. <laughs> changed everything for the Go-Go's. So... Let's talk about Jay. How do you pronounce? Is it Jay Mascus? Mascus. Yeah. By yeah. the way, I just found out that Jay stands for Joseph. Yeah. Oh, that's boring. That's fucking lame, man. What did you think it's? I don't for? know. Something really cool. Meanwhile, do Jorge? you know? Do you know what Philip K. Dick's middle name is? Kendall Kravitz. Kindred. Yeah, that's on brand. Yeah, that's dope. So yeah, Jay Mascus almost. There's not a lot. And to he's a it. junior. He's a junior. He's Joseph Mascus Jr. He's also in Dinosaur Jr. Uh, oh, shit, it all comes together. Does anyone Let's in the... Let's whip out that cure cover. In, yeah, in case anyone in the audience is unfamiliar with what Dinosaur Jr. sounds Here's like. Here's what they sound like covering the cure. Oh, yeah. my God, I've never seen this. Oh, you haven't? Uh-uh. Right. And they're even doing the silly dances. Uh-huh. I almost uh, got to see Dinosaur Jr. in concert. I was living in South Dakota, and they were playing in Minneapolis. And we're driving up, and my friend's uh, muffler falls off his car. That's a bummer. That's a real. And he was like, oh, well, now this is too loud. I can't deal with this. I'm like, we're going to a Dinosaur Jr. concert. You can deal with this muffler. But he could not. We ended up turning around. Interesting. But Jay Mask is great fucking guitar player. Amazing. And drummer. Yeah. Yeah. He also does an amazing cover of Mazzy Star. Which song? Uh, Fade, Fade Into you. you. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, like, I fucking love Dinosaur Jr. I love Jay Mascus. I love Mazzy Star. I, I've seen both Dinosaur Jr. and Mazzy Star a lot. Oh, nice. And, okay, for uh, those of you playing along at home who want to check out some maybe Dinosaur Jr. stuff, um, I guess Green Mind is their real famous album. It's always weird to me, though, because yeah. that's the least representative of what Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. is. It's just a Jay Mascus solo album. You think so? If he plays every instrument. Oh, Blue I didn't know that. Not in oh, yeah. interesting. I like your living all over me. That's that's probably my that, favorite. Yeah. And then what's crazy, they're a band who got back together and not only, I think you could argue, are better, better. on their reunions and yeah. have now made as many classic albums in yeah, this Yeah, I agree. Farm is an amazing and, record. And yeah. watch the corners. Like, the is the, is the album... I bet on Sky. I think it's the name of the record. It's like yeah. the most recent one. Because I've watched the corners. It is so fucking good. Like, it's crazy how good they are. And yeah, Jay Mascus yeah. almost joined Nirvana. This is a quote from him. Oh, can I read it? Yes. Nirvana was playing Maxwell's and Alphabet. Get a little more uh, uh, gravel to it. <laughs> Nirvana was playing. There you go. You got it. Nirvana was playing Maxwell's and I can't do it. It's like, well, can, can, you, he, can you do it? Uh, Nirvana was playing Max. There it is. Yeah. After the show, I was talking to Kurt and Thurston Moore. Kurt said, you should join my band. <laughs> I think he was uh, sick of the guy Jason was playing in the band, and I thought I should play guitar. I didn't think much about it. Later, there was talk of playing drums on a, on a single, but it ended up being Dan Peters. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like Cosby. <laughs> Here's the thing about Jay. <laughs> he loves a tracksuit. Yeah, he loves. <laughs> you put purple on something, he will buy it. Yeah. And amazing, loud, dynamic, huge guitar player. Worst interview. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love the guy, and I cannot listen to him finish a sentence. He's a, I mean, he's he's a meditator. He doesn't like using words. He's right. A, I, I would just like Jay Maskus because if I ever wonder what my little brother is going to look like when he's old, 
I just know now. <laughs> it's true. Like they, my brother is just young James. If they he make is, a movie a about Dinosaur yeah. Jr., yeah. my brother just gets cast yeah. as Jay Maskus. Um, there's a great YouTube show called Guitar Moves, hosted by this guy uh, Matt Sweeney, and uh, Matt Sweeney has like done so many things. I don't even know how to. Uh, That's what I say. I know that yeah. name. He was yeah. in Chavez. He was in Zwan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah okay. After. Oh, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. like that Zwan was my point. I connected that with. Uh, Zwan had an amazing. Like, maybe I you don't like the that record. Zwan album. I a love lot. that Zwan I, record. We discovered yeah. it a few years ago, and it's just become my weird reference point because no one but the people in this room yeah. remember that yeah. record. Oh, that, uh, I just remembered right. it, and I want to go check it out. <laughs> yeah. So Matt Sweeney. Really Matt Sweeney is also the guy they brought in after Johnny Cash died to round out that last American recording. Oh, okay. He's also the guy that got together with Josh Homme and made that amazing Iggy Pop record a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. He's part of that band, but he also has this great show called Guitar Moves where he interviews different guitar players and they show him moves or riffs or whatever, and he interviews Jay and before he goes on, he's like, I'm so excited to talk to Jay. I go back a long time with him. Sometimes Jay doesn't talk, though, so I don't know how this is going to go, but it's actually a really good interview. Uh, yeah, what... So would he have been the rhythm guitar player? Because Kurt was the lead right. I think guitar. He, I imagine they'd have had him take over. So I bet he could probably tackle that "Come as You Are" solo. <laughs> <laughs> Might take him a little while, but I bet he could get up to <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Can you play the melody of this song? <laughs> oh my god! But Kurt? remember to turn on your chorus yeah. pedal. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. been a mumble off why, between those two. Why did they put the word "built to spill" in this title? Because he was also going to be he asked to joined "built to spill" as a, as a drummer. I'm legitimately more excited about that. There's apparently, yeah, I read the article. There's apparently a "built to spill" album where it's mostly just the lead singer on, or he was going to make an album right. where it was just going to be Doug? all him on most instruments, and then he was just going to have a drummer. Yeah, and then he was basically like, I don't want to tell Jay Maskis how to play drums, so I don't Yeah, all these people afraid to, like, tell each other how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jay Maskis looks like Judah Friedlander. And he looks like Judah Friedlander. Like, Judah Friedlander is Gandalf, and then uh, Jay Maskis is Gandalf the Gray version. (laughs) Gandalf the White version of Judah Friedlander. Um, It's a look choice. Uh, (laughs) A certain type of man can make in their life. Right. Uh, and and Jay had some problems too because Lou Barlow, his bass player, basically quit Dinosaur Junior and started Sebado. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, and then and that the Vulcan implosion. And the, I was getting there. Uh, let me get there, Kyle. Let me get there. <laughs> and the folk implosion. And, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the folk implosion. Do I? I only know their their song from the kids sound. I was about to say the same thing. Get out of my head, old man. God, I was literally about <laughs> as you were talking. I was like, when he's done, I'm going to make a joke about the kids' soundtrack. That, God damn! That Chloe Sevigny is the only one still alive from that movie, right? <laughs> Everyone else has committed suicide. If, uh, or... Actually, a couple of them are alive, and it's fucked up. Uh, on Viceland, there's that show epically latered about skateboarding, and they do one about <laughs> Harmony Corinne. It's uh, who made that movie? Yeah, who directed. He, no, movie? he wrote it. Larry Clark directed. Oh, okay. It. Uh, but he wrote it, and they interview a bunch of the people from it, and it's real weird seeing some of those people alive. I used to see the guy who played Casper at auditions, and I then think he, he's the dead one. He hung himself, yes. like, after an audition neither one of us booked. Like, he went home and hung himself. Mm. Way, way to show yeah. solidarity, yeah. Travis. Yeah. <laughs> Guess you. Uh, you can't argue that this is a life. <laughs> you can't argue that what I'm doing is living. You're like, neither of us get to be <laughs> yeah. an Empire Records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was almost in that movie. I know you were. <laughs> I didn't, you've never told me that. I've just assumed it all these years. It's very true. <laughs> Went to producers. Were you going to be uh, 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 Warren? Yes. yes yeah, of yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Nice. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I was also that kid almost. From Welcome to Dollhouse yeah. is real good. I was. Who yeah, <laughs> dates a friend of mine? Uh, I was also. Will you tell him how good he is in Empire yeah, Records for me? I was also almost Doogie Hauser. I was almost Doogie Howser yeah. and Pauly Shore was almost the friend. We were going to be... Um, they made the right choice. I'm not arguing <laughs> that they did. He's a national treasure. He would have found other work. Yeah. Travis Clark could be a national treasure. Yeah. I was also almost Chandler on Friends. And then this podcast would never happen. Yeah. Dude, imagine that, like, have you thought about doing a podcast called I Was Almost? <laughs> I, I and would, each thing you went up for? I would like... say it's just a conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> That would be an interesting podcast. It's not like that's, yeah. It's not like Travis is the only person in LA who's got that story. I just go like it's me talking with Scott Wolf. Like, remember when you were booking everything and I was just also there? And that he's was like, fun. Yeah. yeah. 
He's like, yeah. And then I knew Jennifer Love Hewitt, and you didn't. Yep, yep. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I, I did creep her out one time, though. So you know, you auditioned it all to be out. the guy in the How Do I Deal video. <laughs> That's a reference for almost no one. <laughs> I'm a big J Love fan. So I am too. I, I was obsessed with her, and then she so started, was I. She yeah. started oh, dating. We all were. She started dating Carson Daly, and I was super bummed about it. And then I would watch them drive along Burbank Boulevard. In their matching convertible uh, uh, Mercedes and like kiss each other at fucking stoplights. Oh, and I got so fucking bummed. I was more <laughs> excited when she was dating the dude from Boy Meets World because that guy was at one point in his life on Boy Meets World dating Jennifer Love Hewitt and the voice of Batman. I was like, you won life, dude. Yeah. I was just matter excited, how the rest right? of your life goes. I was more excited when she started dating Jamie Kennedy because oh, I was yeah. like, you know. Everyone can have a good second act, you know? If it all works out right, we can all... I'm excited because that's that I know what you did last summer. Scream crossover I've been waiting for. So let's talk about Nirvana Unplugged. Let's oh, do it. my God, these stories. What's Kurt Kirkwood doing here? <laughs> Chris both. and Kurt. Yeah, they're both, they're both on stage. Uh, I just saw them recently. They opened for uh, X. What? Yeah, I saw them like, the day before Christmas out in San Diego, and they were fucking incredible. They also, were... They were downtown. They, they were, did a, yeah, they did a free show with X downtown. God damn. Why didn't we go to that? I don't know. They, right. X were uh, fucking on point, too. I was a little worried, and uh, and they put on a great show. Like, it seems like real lucid again and stuff like that. That's both, good. Both bands, but, like, my God, everybody in fucking the Meat Puppets is the best at what they do. Yeah, they're unbelievable. Yeah. Did you know Xene Cervinka was married to Vigo Mortensen at one point? Yes, they did. I did not. Because he used to be, like, cool in punk rock. And then he became a jazz guitarist, and then he became Aragorn. Yeah. Yeah. He's living a good time. <laughs> he's friends with David Cronenberg. Everything's coming up roses. He's making like, some he's, good choices. He has nothing but cool friends who make stuff that they put him in. You know what I love about our podcast? Nirvana's really kind of secondary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about us. I just like that this is the most I've ever been able to come into a podcast. Where I'm like, yeah, I can wing this one. <laughs> I'm uh, sad because I'm like, I think my whole life led up to this Nirvana <laughs> Yeah, so Unplugged, for a bunch of different reasons, almost never happened. Uh, first, they were there was dispute over the set list, which is a very unique set list for oh, a yeah. live performance. Yeah. It's, Come As You Are is their only hit on, yeah. the, on that set list. It's, it's a lot of covers, Come As You Are, About a Girl, which is like... A retroactive hit. Yeah. Sure. Like we recognize it as one of their big songs now. They play but all apologies on it, though, don't they? They close with it. No, they, they, they close with uh, they, uh, Where'd You Sleep. Yeah. But the thing about that is, at the time, In Utero had just come out. And because they recorded that in November of 93, which yeah. is right. the same month In Utero came out. So to the audience, those songs were still kind of new. Oh, that's interesting. And there's actually, I don't know if... I, I think we played it on an episode recently, but if you go on YouTube, you can find there's like an MTV news segment of fans reacting to In Utero, right? And they're just like, "Not good, man. Doesn't sound like doesn't sound like Nevermind. It's rough." And there's like one guy who's like, "Yeah," and everyone else is just like, "Oh, I wanted more. Come as you are." So even it's then, it's weird to think that that's like was the really huge hit at that point. That like "Come as You Are" was really well. It was, like, the, it was the hit yeah. that they played. Yeah, like, that was the only I mean. thing that people knew. Yeah, like that's that's so crazy. But yeah. it's the song that also of of uh, Nevermind crosses over into acoustic territory pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the well, they play something in the way and Polly. Right. Yeah. From Nevermind, all and on a plane. Oh, oh right. They do play on a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the set list is always deceptively long. Yeah, like yeah. they they really pack a lot of stuff in. You almost kind of get that feel of like old hardcore show. Like we're just gonna like do a yeah. billion things and they all move pretty quick. But you know what's crazy? I did not know this. I just watched this the other night. Um, I wanted to watch the uh, "Where Did You Sleep Last Night" thing, and I saw the the header and the footer to it basically. And they're just sitting there on stage going, "I don't. What should we play next?" And the audience is screaming at them to play Teen Spirit. And he goes, "No." And they like for a this goes on for a while for yeah. like the way we watch it all bump together it's like to go and here's yeah. the final song yeah. it's him going like this is going to be the last one and Grohl is like what are we playing like it, no one knows well Grohl was pissed at that show yeah well that's we'll get into that yeah but even Chris fucking doesn't play the baseline right right away because no one they, this just kind of happened and then when it ends he gets off of stage it's like slightly raised up he has to jump down 
and just stands next to a couple of kids and like uses their pen to sign something and just smokes a cigarette next to them and then just walks away. He's yeah. smoking all through that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they were trying to talk him into doing an encore because oh. the producer had the rest of the band on on board with doing an encore. And Kurt was just like, nah, I can't follow that I, song. I do know that that was like his plan, though, was like finish with that song and like hit that gnarly ending of the song and then yeah. just cut it. It was a good plan. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it because he really refrains from screaming throughout that whole thing until that moment. And it's yeah, I mean, it, it it's really effective. And the the thing is, MTV, like you, you get why they were skeptical about the set list. But you mean it's full of uh, deep cut covers <laughs> from bands that no one thinks about and guest appearances from the Meat, Meat Puppets. Puppets. Yeah, they play four songs off Meat Puppets too. <laughs> yeah, right. like that's the most specific and satisfying only Kyle thing I've ever seen a band do. <laughs> but it was do. so good that God, then, it's great. Then the Meat Puppets had a hit after that. They actually had. Let's when they yeah. did uh, when I saw them yeah. and they played Lake of Fire. You watched a lot of the audience go. Oh, yep. <laughs> That's why I know these guys. Their cover of Plateau on on Unplugged and is, Oh Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the whole Kirkwood Brothers Kirkwood thing that they do is great. Yeah, that whole section is amazing. And yeah, MTV felt weird about that. They were upset that his guitar was like an electric acoustic hybrid. Yeah, that he had a pedal. Yeah, <laughs> and I never knew this, but there's a monitor wedge on stage during Unplugged. And it's actually just an empty box that was built to cover the fact that he has an amp in front of him. Oh, interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. right. They, they talk about it. It's like his safety blanket was yeah. to have an amp. Yeah, there's this producer, Alex Coletti, who, if you want, there's a couple documentaries about Unplugged, and they're really short. Uh, he's like kind of the unsung hero yes, of 100%. that. Yes, uh, 100%. Because he fixes the, the other thing we were going to, we can just talk about it all at once. Dave Grohl almost wasn't on Unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. Because do I even fucking need to be here? Yeah, yeah. and because they gave him the hot rods to use because he played too heavy. Yeah, he he was playing too heavy, and Kurt kept asking him to play softer, and it just wasn't working. And this is after Nirvana threatens to quit, and he's like, "No, okay, we'll we'll do it." And then the dress rehearsals happen, and MTV's like, "Oh fuck!" It's Alex. This the guy sounds who, bad. Is he the one who went out and bought the hot rods he for him sent, as a Christmas yes. present? Sent yeah. his assistant out to buy him uh, brushes well, and and hot rods, and which hot rods. are for anybody who's listening who's like, "Stop saying this word, no one knows." <laughs> hot rods are basically uh, sorry, a, sizzle sticks are a collection of dowels that are basically held together with plastic at the handle, and they dissipate like like, like right. dissipate most of the impact when you hit a drum, so it inherently makes your drums quieter but and they were still super new at the time so when i saw this air i thought he was playing with candy canes i thought because <laughs> it came out like right before christmas and i was like well they're really going for this christmas theme <laughs> <laughs> what if that had been real what if they're just in a winter wonderland for nirvana unplugged 25 years later it was like when the penguins come out and dance it's a real delight dick van dyke came out with oh, them oh god that'd be amazing that would be great <laughs> yeah and this guy yeah alex coletti he fixes that problem he uh at one point they asked him if he could get heroin for kurt <laughs> and he was like again going with the christmas theme he was like know, no man. i can't but they somehow found him valium so kurt's all hopped up on value which i don't know if you've hopped ever up i don't know if he yeah. hopped up on value yeah i, I think you're more if you've ever taken yeah. valium i'm surprised he hit those notes at the end i'm surprised oh, yeah. he remembered he had a guitar well, he yeah. had a lot of practice at that point. <laughs> that's true, yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, they wanted to cut the man who sold the world from. Well, I was the thinking broadcast. about this. I believe that's when Bowie is in his shitty grunge band, the the fuck what are they called the Tin Machine. Uh, Tin Machine was uh, eighty nine. Yeah. So yeah, it was before that. I mean, but he hadn't really come back yet with something. Uh, didn't him and Reeves Gabriel do? I'm afraid of America. No. That's like ninety nine uh, or ninety eight right. or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. You're right, you're right. I'm, I only remember because I have a surge compilation CD <laughs> that has "I'm Afraid of Americans" <laughs> on it. Sir, I haven't thought about Surge in forever. If Mountain Dew was too pussy for you, yeah. get Sir. Or do you mean the magazine? No, Surge? I legitimately mean the thing, the, uh, the soda. <laughs> my, Surge was real big in my family. A few years ago, I got my brother those Amazon reissues of Surge. The way we won Amazon this compilation reissues? CD. Yeah. Amazon put it back out as like a boutique thing. Yeah. They were great. 
But uh, we we went to the Coke Museum in Vegas, like the mini one that sure, they used to yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. I miss every time I go to Vegas now. It should should come back. It's great. Surge but was just antifreeze with a little bit of carbonation. They were outside, yeah. and you had to try to knock over Surge cans with a ball with a hockey stick. And if you could do that, you won a Surge CD. And my dad, my brother, and I failed. My mom fucking knocked over those cans <laughs> and won me a Surge compilation CD. With it's half. It's the Crystal Method, Fat Boy Slim, Nine Inch Nails with Bowie, and then. I want to say somebody else along those lines. Maybe filter. Let's That's, say filter. I mean, wait. What? Okay. And the rest of the CD is just different sound bites from the commercials of people going, Surge! <laughs> there we go. Oh, every part of this show's great. <laughs> this I'm is amazed so by it. It's like, <laughs> it is like someone just put 1997 into like a compressed form. We yeah, there, that man. was amazing. So let's talk about the last. <laughs> The last really sad part of this. <laughs> this is shockingly sad because you hear. Oh, this is fucked up. Yeah. Podcast. You hear. Oh, hey, Kurt almost recorded with Michael Stipe. Yay! Oh, Michael Stipe talks about that in in I want to say that BBC Seven Ages of Rock documentary. He talks about he's like I was trying to get Kurt to come to Athens just so we could get an eye on him. Like, sure, Michael. Yeah, that's what this story that's, is. Yeah, that's uh, his quote. I was doing that to try to save his life. The collaboration was me calling up as an excuse to reach out to this guy. He was in a really bad place. I constructed a project to try to snap Kurt out of a frame of mind. I sent him a plane ticket and a driver, and he tacked the plane ticket to the wall in the bedroom, and the driver sat outside the house for 10 hours. Kurt wouldn't come out and wouldn't answer the phone. I questioned the validity of this yeah. story, because I feel like you talked to that limo driver, and he was like, yeah, I was there for like... Ten hours. Ten hours, and he I never no showed up. I yeah. went and bought drugs and a <laughs> yeah. prostitute. And then we find out it was half an hour, and Kurt came out 45 <laughs> minutes later like, guys, with his bag all packed. Oh, oh. Michael Stipe tricked me. Now, <laughs> interesting thing that ties... I feel really, really sad. sad about this. <laughs> the uh, thing that ties all together on the sad back end is the uh, guy who was the producer for all the big REM records ended up being the producer for, uh, and did all the mix stuff for yeah. the Live in New York. Scott or the, Litt. The, yeah, Scott Litt ended up producing the unplugged records. Yeah. Yeah, it uh I mean him recording with Michael Stipe would have been interesting. Right. And maybe would have saved his life. Yeah. And he goes on to say in I uh, mean Kurt uh, Courtney could have found him in yeah, yeah. Georgia also. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. Bullets yeah. bullets yeah, don't care about down, location. Yeah. What if Michael yeah. Stipe was supposed to kill him? Oh <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I was just trying to save his life. I was trying to yeah. Yeah. who told you about that? Oh my God. <laughs> Confessions of a dangerous mind too. If you don't spend Michael the, if you don't Stipe. touch the check, you're not guilty. <laughs> yeah. Semi automatic for the people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have fun here. <laughs> we should do. More fun than we should. <laughs> the man is dead. On an episode of, oh, what could have been. God, I wonder what that would have even sounded like. Just two I, would, I think it would have sounded something <laughs> like this. And then, then we have a thing. Man, I don't have any. Because would that have been automatic for the people time period, like REM? It would have been yeah. Monster-ish, I think. Okay. Because Monster so actually, came that out. that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, then. 95 is when Monster came out. So that's around yeah. this time. I love those bands that get put together because someone is depressed like i don't know if you guys are aware i think you just mean bands well are you guys aware of free kitten oh wait, wait no oh man free kitten's awesome it's uh, like so so i'm a pretty dyed and wool like weird mike watt fan i like i love the man i think he's a prophet sure and after d boone died uh uh before Firehose, kim gordon was like hey mike i know you're having a tough time so like we want to have fun well that's so, chicona youth well but this ver free kitten is Mike We are Watt. referencing so many people out I of the room. I don't give a hot fuck. <laughs> we are in the fucking danger zone, friend. If you're an hour into this Nirvana-based <laughs> podcast that is in more than its second episode, we're going to get weird. Sin Cone Youth is going to come up. Yeah. But this it, Free Kitten is uh, Mike Watt and then basically every badass Riot girl who was in a band at that time. Oh. It's basically a super group of Mike Watt and every cool lady in rock music in the like, late Kira? 80s. Is Kira in it? I want to say she because, plays something on it. Because they were married at the time. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's ba and they like Kira was like from a, Black Flag. From Black Flag, yeah. and she's now an Academy Award-winning sound recordist. 
or like sound editor for what? Whatever last year won for best sound, she was on the team. Oh shit! Yeah, it's also uh, she does Dose with Mike Watt, yeah. which is just two people playing bass. I've seen them; they're amazing. They are amazing. It's uh, it's super jazzy. But anyways, like, and they toured, and it was literally this run where it was like, we know Mike's sad, so like every cool ride girl in the world's just gonna tour with him for like a month on this like weird noise rock album that's great. Wow, the val- album's called Nice Ass. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's fucking, it is the most thrown together thing, and I fucking love it. Okay. Nice. I'm going to throw this one in there. Do you ever listen to Boss Hog? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Boss Hog is John Spencer from John Spencer Explosion and his wife, whose name I forget, mm-hmm. or wife at the this time. This all checks out so far. Yeah, and they did- Joan a- Spencer. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they did a cover of Black Throat, which was a Tracy Lord's movie. They do a, it's like super hard to find, but they do a cover of I Black Throat. I have to find yeah. this. And they go, oh, Black Throat. <laughs> God, I love John Spencer. It's all about, it's it's the theme song to a Tracy Lord's interracial Blowjob movie. It's a, all it's about. Well, that Tracy's got a big old clit. Oh, <laughs> black throat. <laughs> the the uh, one, one of to me like one of the great moments in recorded music is Pussy Galore's song. We don't give a fuck about you. Is <laughs> <laughs> just like this is everything I like in music. Just yeah. it's real caustic. It's recorded very poorly. <laughs> Everybody in it seems kind of mad. They're there for some There's reason. There's only six copies. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that uh, that's the episode. Yeah. I think. I think so. I think we did it. Journey. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we. I legitimately am having a bit of a crisis. I'm like, I don't know where I go as far as podcasts go after this. <laughs> uh, do we have anything to plug? Uh, Kyle's got, got a bunch of things to plug. I, uh, I have a, a podcast called This Is Rad. We just had you on for a, a Mike Patton episode. Sure it was did. A lot of fun. No, uh, Adam fun. is coming on soon. Yeah, I am. It's uh, it's a. Uh, show about people when they uh, come on and talk about stuff they like and uh, I find that you get to know people in fun ways when you're talking about stuff you like so yeah. it's a it's a fun show I'm, I'm real proud of it has it's, anyone ever talked about Prince can I talk about Prince ooh, we have not yet ooh, I'll do a Prince yes. episode oh that'd be sure. awesome has anyone talked about two princes that adore you can anyone didn't spend dogs? I mean that'd be a fun one too I'm more of a little <laughs> well, Miss Can't Be Wrong guy okay, go okay. ahead now yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why you're the professional comedy man. <laughs> Ba-boom! Because we left that on the table. We sure did. Uh, I also have an album called I'm a Person that is out on iTunes and Spotify and Tidal and Amazon and all the places you go get music. Mm. Uh, and then I'm trying to think of anything else that's real relevant. Uh, I am at the uh, Yukon Comedy Festival March 22nd through 25th in the in Whitehorse, Canada. So we're doing a live This Is Rad and I'm doing shows out there. So wow. if you're Canadian and listening to this show, uh, come on out and hang out. It'll be real snowy. <laughs> if you're Canadian... Yeah. You know, anywhere in Canada, just come here. I mean, it's fun. You know, they're just like, yeah, yeah, that gives me an excuse to travel. I'll be at the Yellowknife Festival. It'll be me and the First Nation people. Uh, just, uh... I'd do that. <laughs> yeah, who books that? <laughs> but uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks fun. for doing it. Yeah. Travis, do you have anything? Um, I'm at Mr. Travis Clark on all of the things. Oh, just, at Kyle uh... Clark is Rad on Twitter. So. Oh, yeah, Kyle Clark is Rad on Twitter. Also, uh, at This is Rad Pod. Pod uh, yes. is their podcast. Um and I'm at Mr. Travis Clark. So if there's anything you want to talk about and <laughs> that we've covered here, uh, please feel free to tweet me. There's I, I would the, love it. literally the only reason I'm on Twitter at this point is to have esoteric music conversations <laughs> with strangers <laughs> who have found me via podcast. So do not be afraid. Hit this boy up. Yeah, and uh, subscribe to the rest of our podcast on Patreon.com/slash/unpops. If you're still listening to this podcast, then. You obviously <laughs> rate five want stars. To hear everything yeah. we do. You should put five stars in, and the more five stars we get, the more Teen Travis will read from his journal. Yeah. Oh. If you want that journal to come out, you need to give us some good ratings yeah. and reviews on iTunes. Oh, we got to get that published as a book. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the Cobain Journal. I, at one point, said to a girlfriend of mine, If I die, Henry Rollins needs these mailed to me. Ah! <laughs> and you were being serious? I was so serious. <laughs> Oh, my God. My legacy needs to be published on two thirteen sixty one publications. You can have we, to make sure. Can we still send it to him? Sure. Let's just do it now. <laughs> See what happens. Hear me out. How, we'll start a campaign. How referenced are they? What if we just pretend you're still a teen? <laughs> <laughs> send him to him like you're a precocious teen who's a fan. And then he meets you, and he's like, oh, I'm uh, a catfish. I have, no, I have progeria, that thing where you just age really fast. You know? And he goes, oh, and you're like, jack disease. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> This was too much fun. (laughs) This was lots of fun. Yeah. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Kyle, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Travis, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.